Welcome to the BrokerCast presented by Vertica Systems. The podcast is built for business brokers by business brokers. Each week we sit down with new pros in the industry to learn their secrets, get tips, tricks, insights, and more, and how you can become a better broker and close more deals faster. Now here are your hosts, Sean Littman and Josh Factor. Hey everybody, welcome back to another awesome episode of the BrokerCast, the podcast built by business brokers for business brokers. Well, except for me, I'm not a business broker. I'm a marketing person, but I work with business brokers. This show is hosted by myself, Sean Lippman and Josh Factor, business broker, software extraordinaire, mastermind of the literally the only business broker CRM on the market that does everything you need and more to make sure you're closing deals faster. And our guest today, Milton, can attest to that one. We'll get to that later. This is not a product plug. But nonetheless, we're super excited to have Milton on our show this week. We're going to be talking about all sorts of cool stuff. Milton is coming to us from su- beautiful, sunny Florida. And before we dive into the episode, I just want to do a little station identification. This show is sponsored by Vertica Systems, the only all-in-one CRM for business brokers that was literally built for by business brokers solving all the problems you need in order to close more deals faster. If you're looking to see and learn more about Vertica Systems, you can grab a demo with Josh today after the show, and he'll show you everything you need to know more about how you can take this and enhance your brokerage and start closing more deals faster. So let's dive into the show. What's going on, Milton? How are you? How's it out there in Florida? It's, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, another, uh, it's 85 degrees and sunny. It's It's not a bad place to be. Awesome. Florida is pretty tight though. I mean, it, it, it's, it's winter now. So you're getting a lot of people coming down who are not, not necessarily Floridians. <laughs> oh yeah. The, uh, the onslaught has begun here in Florida. We know when we call it season has really started because you see the car carriers arriving with the cars and that's the big giveaway and that's well, well, Thanksgiving tomorrow. So it's going to be crowded here. Well, you also see the New York and New Jersey license plates and the people who have no clue how to park and, and behave properly. So I guess that's another indicator. Yeah, the restaurants have lineups. It's a, it's a fun time of year. Fun times. So I guess the question is, what? how did you get into brokerage and how did you get into this whole world? Because from what I've heard from Josh, you're a real powerhouse in the space and you do a number of things. But how did you get into this in the first place? Well, what happened is um, I started off with KPMG, did my CPA, and I actually tried different things. I worked in audit for a couple of years. I worked in the tax department. After that, I worked in bankruptcy and insolvency and really realized that none of those were things I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I went back to school, did an MBA in international economics and finance, and realized I really want to get into mergers and acquisitions. And that's what I did. I got a job after university or doing my MBA with uh, EY, where I joined their mergers and acquisitions and valuations group and uh, was there for quite a few years. And then after that was hired away to run RBC's mergers and acquisitions group out of their head office um, in Toronto. And I did that. So that was my career. After that, I ended up uh, being hired away by uh a billionaire family in Canada, and I moved to South Florida to run a 400-person New York Stock Exchange member securities firm and real estate development and brokerage business. And it was a turnaround. We 
took it from losing about 600,000 a month to we ultimately the group got sold for about 150 million. And that was in the early 90s. So I tell people in in the early 90s, that was a lot of money. Today, everything has to be a unicorn. And uh, Mm -hmm. at that point, I set up my own operations. Uh, I do some of my own investing as a family office. But I set up my own mergers and acquisitions firm to do what you refer to as business brokerage. And we also have an arm that does lending, either our own money or we're partners with some other funds. And we arrange debt financing for companies. And we still own a CPA firm and business valuation firm because I still have my licenses. We're affiliated with a firm out of New York with about 150 professionals. So it's a combination of principal investing, intermediary services and advisory services. And, you know, we've used the Verticom CRM for now probably three years. We were one of the early adopters. And I have to tell you, over those years, I've given it a lot of tough testing in terms of looking at other alternatives of CRMs. And I've yet to find one that can do what this one can do. And that's why I keep it. Um, and it does help me a lot because we can customize it, and especially for somebody like me, because not only do I sell businesses and help people buy businesses, but we arrange, as I said, financing. And it allows me to create different areas that I could search in the database for people to match so it's it helps not only to match buyers with sellers but also funders with people that want funding so it's a it's a really good tool and uh now I've told you my background as well that's awesome it seems like you're like a one stop shop for all this kind of stuff like you do m and a you do financing you do you do the valuations you do pretty much everything within a bun- a bunch of different companies. And I think that's really awesome, really convenient for somebody who's looking to buy, be a potential buyer of a business and might need the financing, might need the value, like the whole, the whole gamut of things. Did you do Well, the other thing is, uh, the answer is yes, but it's, it's, there's actually one other avenue, which is I've run companies and I own interests in companies. So when I'm talking to sellers, I don't talk to them just like, we'll call it uh, most brokers. Um, I'm talking to them as someone who understands what it's like to be CEO of a startup, uh, a smaller company or a very big company. I've done, you know, when I was with RBC, we did billion dollar deals and today we do million dollar deals. It doesn't matter, um, you know, cause I've done the gamut. So I speak, you know, I like dealing with people, helping them out regardless of how small or how big. That's awesome. That that really is awesome. And like what on average, what is the what is the valuation of some of your property? Do you do you said you deal with small people and large people? Like what what's the average valuation of businesses you're dealing with? Well, our focus is usually companies well when I will get more actively involved will usually be companies from four or five million in value up to about 25 or 30 million. Um, we do s- service people below the four or five million. We have a mm-hmm. team that does that. Uh, and I'll oversee, you know, deal with problems or complicated issues. Uh, the other ones, as they get bigger, I'll obviously be much more involved. 
Um, if it's over 25 or 30 million, it's not that we can't handle it. It's just that, frankly, we don't usually get retained because they go to one of the big shops in New York or, you know, wherever they happen to be. You know, I'm competing with the major firms, the Merrill Lynch's or Goldman Sachs. Uh, and, you know, we're not trying to compete with them. Right. We like our niche and, you know, because the expertise that we can bring or I can bring to the table for a uh, smaller middle market deal is not the big guys don't want to bother with it. No, it's not enough for them. It's not enough fees for them. So for me, it's a great area and I get to know the CEOs or the owners personally and, uh, you know, establish a really nice long-term relationship. That's really cool. But you're not dealing with people like somebody who wants to sell a laundromat in New Jersey, right? And you're not dealing with like the, that, that level of people, mm-hmm. right? What it's not our, it's not where I'm going to focus, but we, if it comes in, we can handle it. We have, because we're state of the art, just like using Verticom as our CRM, we're state of the art. We're part of uh, a network of 1500 brokers, um, mm. through, through both our association with the BBF and here in Florida. And we're uh, part of the empire network where we have 80 offices around the country. Plus I'm affiliated with two international investment banks. So what happens is even a small deal, we would have someone who could handle it very professionally. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Josh, yeah. What, what do you have to say on this? Um, um, you know, I, I've known I've known Milton for quite a while now, and I, I think we've built a really nice relationship with him, helping him build his business. Yeah. Um, I've actually, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I learn something new every time I speak to him. He's he's quite yeah. a resourceful and 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 versatile business person. <laughs> every time I speak to him, there's another new business that he's involved in, and and you know he has this partner there and that partner there. It, it, I'm quite impressed by him. I, I have a lot of respect for him. I care. Well, my, my strategy is the hub and spoke. So I'm, I'm the hub and then I, I extend out. I have people that run the debt financing. I get involved, you know, as I need to, but I have staff or partners who will work on that. Same on M&A. We have, I told you, we're part of an 80 office network. We have two international investment banks we're affiliated with, you know, so we can do our own debt financing. We can do our own M&A. Same thing on professional services, the CPA firm. We can offer everything. I'm not, I can't do everything myself. We have a 150 staff that we can call on as needed. So, you know, that's why the key is, you know, where do I direct it? So I'm directing traffic. Um, as much as possible, but also jumping in and helping when there's anything that needs something a little more complicated. When you're directing so, traffic, what? do you ever wear one of those traffic vests? I would, well, actually, I would think of it more like Captain Kirk. I'm in the commander <laughs> chair and I, not the traffic cop. I'm in the commander chair and I'm telling people what to do, you know, and I, and I go on a lot of away missions also. So. <laughs> So, so if I were a, a, a business or, you know, or I were a prospective customer for you, what, what describe your fit, your, your, your most likely type of person business that you'd be capable to help with half your brain tied behind your back? Well, uh, I mean, it's going to sound strange to say this, but I tell people that I'm, I'm knowledgeable in almost any industry that you can name. Now, I, I know enough. It's not that I'm an expert in all these industries, but I know enough to talk to an expert. 
to the dad because I've been done enough in aid deals, mergers and acquisitions deals, valuations of companies, invested in companies that I've almost covered every industry you could think of from resource to real estate. We own our own real estate brokerage from real estate to uh, resource to all types of technologies, healthcare, biotechs, crypto, cannabis. So whatever the industry is, we touch into it. So in terms of who we can help, our ideal client is somebody, as I said before, trying to sell their business between five and 25 million. Can we help bigger? Yes. Can we help smaller? Yes. Um, and uh, we come up with very, or I do come up with very creative structures that help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. I try to, I'm not going to give them formal tax advice, but I can go toe to toe with most tax experts to make sure that you're getting the best results. So I work with their professionals, their lawyers, their CPAs, their tax experts, their uh, human resources, etc. Whatever is required, I can step in and help them. Again, because I've run companies and actively I'm involved in companies where I'm a partner or running them. So I know what day-to-day issues are, what current things you got to look out for. And I try to come up with very practical, simple solutions to keep things moving forward. That's awesome. Let me ask you another question. I think it's a really important question. Your experience is on a much, uh, as an M&A specialist, you are on, your brokering business is much larger than my own experience. I've sold hundreds and hundreds of businesses in my experience as a business broker, but for the most part, they were small mom and pop shops, anything below $5 million. You're way above $5 million. I mentor business brokers. And um, people come to me, especially through uh, Vertica Systems. You know, we have a lot of new business brokers who join us. And I end up not only um, building a system and consulting with them on how to run their business, but actually helping other business brokers and mentoring them. And, and I know I've uh, repeated this number of times in the podcast before, but I think it's very, very valuable. There's three words that you always have to keep in mind when you're brokering businesses. It's patience persistence, and tenacity. So that's what that's the first lesson 101 that I teach all of the brokers who I work with. From your perspective as a seasoned M&A specialist, um, we have a lot of brokers who are watching this podcast today. What advice can you give them to help them get started in their business? Um, well, you bring up a number of interesting points. First of all, not over 90%, if not, I think it's even 92 or 93% of all business brokers do transactions that have a valuation of under a million dollars. Okay. Um, and that's certainly true of the business brokers of Florida because they run stats on that. And by the way, I don't chase away a million dollar deal because, you know, in terms of the first thing to realize, if you're doing a million dollar transaction or even a half a million, if you can charge a 10% commission on a million dollars, that's a hundred thousand dollar fee. That's for, you know, that's a very nice fee. We're not going to. What can you do with an extra hundred thousand dollars, right? Exactly. So, you know, and even if it's 50,000 for a $500,000 deal, so there's a lot of benefit lots of times. You know, some people will say to me, Oh, Milton, it's too small. It's a million dollar deal. I said, no, no. Very interested, you know. I'd love to close a quick million dollar deal and get a hundred thousand dollars fee. You know, the thing, so one is 
if you can get your 10% or 8% commission, don't be, don't run away from the small deals. They're very nice cash flow. The second thing is, uh, you know, some people come out of real estate brokerage and go into business brokerage and they think it's identical. It's completely different because in real estate brokerage, there's basically around five variables. If you can hit five price terms, location, damage or environmental issues to the property. I'm talking residential, even, even commercial. Okay. There may be six, maybe you can come up with six or seven. There's damage to the building. That's about it. When you do a business, even a small business, there could be literally hundreds or even a thousand variables. And that's why it's so much harder to do business brokerage. And the variables are employees. You may have two, three, 10 key employees you can't lose or you lose your business. You have tax issues because you're crossing multiple states. So not only do you have federal tax, you have state tax issues. You have environmental. You have certain regulations for the industry. You have competition. You know, in a real estate, it's your, it's where you are. In a business, it's where everybody else is in the whole world. You know, how do you know that some company out of India or China isn't going to put you out of business, depending what you're doing? You know, AI, et cetera. So I could go on and on, but the bottom line is, so that's why your three Ps are very important because you are, to me, a good deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Tenacity. But for me, a good deal usually collapses at least twice during the course of the deal. Okay. So let that sink in. That means the deal's dead. As far as everyone in the room is concerned, the deal is dead, except for me, because I'm the guy who won't let it die. So I come back and say, okay, let's press reset on everybody. Let's go over the issues. How many issues are there? And you'll quickly find that if there were five, you can narrow it down to maybe two. And those two, you figure out a solution for, and then you move forward. And then, if you know, a few weeks later, a month later, the lawyers come up with something else to kill the deal. And then you deal with that issue and get over it. So that's, and until you're at the closing table and it's all signed and you got paid your commission and they didn't ask for it back three years, three days later, (laughs) the deal's not done. I always say the deal's done. It's great. You got paid. Now I got to wait three to five days and make sure that they don't ask for it back. So that's, that's, that helps at all. That, 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 you mentioned before about real estate. I'm sorry, I apologize. You, you mentioned before about real estate brokers and how they're sometimes try to be going to the business brokerage industry. I'm dealing with that right now with a bunch of different clients. Um, and I, I tell people all the time, oh, right, right. you know, our system is designed for business brokerage. It's designed to deal with so many more exponential variables in place to get a business deal done. A business is a living, yeah. living breathing entity house a home is is sticks and stones there's not that many variables and there's lots of different technology platforms for real estate but there's very few for business brokerage and what we're doing is we're we're onboarding lots of real estate brokers commercial real estate brokers who are also getting into business brokerage it's very easy to dumb down a comprehensive system it's very difficult to add new tools that are well seasoned and well oiled to a real estate broker system. So we have quite a few real estate uh, brokers as well using our system. Can I ask yeah, well, you a what, what? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
was going to ask both of you a question because you're talking about real estate now and how you mentioned that there with real estate, there's really five major variable changes that can affect a real estate deal. But with business brokerage, there could be like a million one possibilities to something can go wrong. And I find it interesting that a lot of real estate brokers are transitioning into business brokerage. And I'm wondering what the reason for that is. Oh, that's easy. The, re- More money? the reason is no, no, the re- no, they would love to stay in real estate. The problem is real estate uh, brokerage, the business is way down. People are not selling. So because where are you going to go? Because prices have gone up so much and interest rates are so high that what's happened is just, you know, uh, the, what's happened is just to finish my sentences. What's ha- what's happened is that the volume of real estate deals is down dramatically. And so what happens is uh, you just got to look at the public companies that are in the real estate brokerage business, their stocks are way down. Um, and that's why, because their volume is way down. That's one. The second reason is also because of the new litigation that's happened, which I don't know if you oh, yeah. guys have followed, but where the National Association of Realtors got sued and has lost multiple cases or, well, at least one major case uh, to the tune of over a billion dollars uh, of losses that they probably can't even afford to pay. And, you know, major firms have already settled, uh, with the, with the claims that could reduce the amount of real estate. Nobody knows for sure, but could potentially reduce the amount of real estate commission that brokers can earn, particularly if you're on the buy side. So if oh. you're a realist, so if you're the listing broker, the way it works today is it's, it's under NAR rules, National Association of Realtors rules that run the MLS, multiple listing service. What happens is there's an automatic split between the parties. That's going to change because what the lawsuit was saying is that's not fair. First of all, NAR set the commission typically of five to six percent. And second is, who said that you have to share the other half of that commission with the buyer's broker? So now if you're somebody who brings yeah. a buyer to my seller, it's going to be, you know, dude, it's up to you to get paid. I don't know if I, I can't just share my commission with you. And that's yeah. now granted, it's going to mean that, you know, a number of people who bring buyers are going to try to, you know, come to those understandings or they're not going to show your listing you know, there's all that going on, but that's basically where the industry is moving. So they're thinking that the the thought is there could be a 30% reduction in commissions you know, wow. across the board because of that. Nobody knows for sure. But the big reason is the first one is because the volume is down. People, if your house has gone up 100%, that's fabulous. Now, where are you going to move? Because every other house went up 100%. And if you give yours up, your real estate tax is going to be double. Right. Because the value is double and you're going to have to pay interest rates that are at least double what you were paying before because you'll need a mortgage. So that's the reason that they're they're looking to make money. And, you know, you can the people who are uh, part time realtors who used to do, you know, a couple of deals a year are thinking, hey, I'm not getting any deals done. That was my extra income to take a vacation every year. Maybe I'll try to sell businesses. And it's not that simple because they have no, no expertise. They don't, they can't even read a financial statement sometimes, you know. Right. It's, it it makes it like, a little tricky. It's believe like believe it or not, it's easier. It, sorry. It's easier to teach somebody 
who doesn't know anything about real estate, how to do business brokerage than somebody who is a seasoned real estate broker. <laughs> really? I, I found you know people who are 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 or set in their ways in real estate brokerage. They have a hard time adapting to processes and procedures in business brokerage. But That's yeah, interesting. We, we work with them. We still like but, them. But it seems we like just, there's a we, lot more like thinking yeah. involved when it comes to brokering a business versus like selling oh. a home. Meaning, meaning, yeah, obviously, meaning like selling a home is just all about marketing. It's all about how you position the product and the offer and you show people, Hey, you know, like this, this, you know, create that, that that product you know to create that that situation it seems like with business brokering there's a lot more depth to it there's a lot more knowledge that goes into it especially depending on the size of the deals like you're saying you're dealing with there's a lot more research there's a lot more like accounting to deal with there's a lot more like everything and you can't just be like some rando guy on the streets and say hey i sold a couple homes let me let me go sell a couple laundromats it's not going to work you, you, you know, it's interesting. There's, um, there's one gentleman I know that sells large businesses, but the way he does it, which is very interesting, is he will introduce the company to or the, the business to his buyer and then he walks away. Okay. He walks Why? away. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to. And, and he, it's like, let all the professionals close the deal. Now, he only deals with bigger transactions. So there's professional lawyers and CPAs typically on both sides. And he's just the introducer and walks away. If I could do that, I haven't figured out how. I would love to because then – because I I usually see, like I told you, deals collapse, right? When the deals collapse, that's when you know I or somebody like me becomes much more important because I want that deal to close. Obviously, I want to earn the fee. Plus, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time and effort to sign them up to get them to sell their business. I want to help them out to accomplish it, not to say, ah, it fell apart. So, um, you know, there, if you can do that role, if, but you can't do it on small deals. You have to do big, you'd have to do really big deals where you right. can just step away because otherwise it's very hard because see, the smaller the deal, meaning the, the transaction size, the closer you get to a million and under, you have right. very unsophisticated sellers. Typically, when I say unsophisticated, I mean in selling businesses and uh, their financial reporting. They're not, they don't have audits and, you know, their CPAs and their, and their lawyers often are not coming from big firms doing deals like this every day. Lots of times it's their friend or their or dad who does their accounting or their, you know, their friend does their accounting, their, you know, their brother-in-law is a lawyer who does whatever, you know, estate planning or personal injury. And now he's going to take the, write the purchase agreement. So that's what complicates the smaller deals. In some ways, a bigger transaction, just like I told you about that one broker who just walks away the bigger the transaction the better the professionals typically because they can afford to pay for the better professionals which also means lots of times there's a better chance of you the broker having to do less work not more work that's awesome sounds yeah it's not intuitive that you would think it's that but it is that's really awesome I guess before we wrap up, what what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's looking to get into the brokerage world now 
being that you've been involved in this space for a very long time and you've seen how things have changed over the years um, and to where they are going currently, what would you say to somebody who's looking to either make that transition from real estate or get into this now as a profession? Um, yeah. What I would say is now's, now's a great time to get in. The reason is baby boomers are getting to the point that they're going to be selling their businesses if they're not already. Uh, the generation below them, the Gen Xs, um, you know, are not wild about doing too much where they have to work for somebody else. So they're looking to buy. Uh, this is a great time. There's a lot of money floating around on the sidelines in the economy. Forget about if you think the economy is doing poorly or, or badly or great. There is a lot of money out there, which means money that can buy businesses. So it's a wonderful time to get into the business. But the catch on the other side is it's a lot of work and, uh, but it's, it's, it's going to keep your mind active. So you're, you can really enjoy it. I know a lot of people who will call it retired and went into business brokerage and they couldn't be happier because it's a career change. But um, again, don't expect to get into the business and start closing deals every week. Uh, you know, boom, bum snapping like this. Uh, the, the average transaction we work on takes between nine to 12 months to close. So first you have to get them signed up and then you got to close them. They, they take a long time because there's tax implications, accounting implications, you know, all types of things that are going to impact it. But in terms of a good time to get into the industry, as good as any is right now. And I know a really good technology platform that people can use if Uh, they want to get into the industry. It'll give you a leg up. Absolutely. Milton, in closing, um, if, if I wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Do you have a website? Yep. You can go to our website, Empire globalfinancial.com you can also register as a buyer or register your company for sale or hit the contact button and I'll call you back um, or you can on our website is our contact information with my phone number and my email address you can also search we have about 3,000 companies listed for sale you could search wow. right on there at empireglobalfinancial.com you can search for free uh, we have 1,500 brokers updating it real time. So it, it pays to go in and register and also to spend some time once a month, once every month, uh, once every month, other month. If you're a buyer, go in there and just, you know, search around and see if you find anything you like. When you do it very easy, you hit a button and I get an email and through our CRM with Josh, we immediately can respond and uh, get you the information. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, Milton, this was fantastic. I'm so happy we finally did this. And for all those who are listening to the show, we're going to be putting this up there with Milton's contact information. So feel free to reach out to him. Like you said, he's got a ton of listings available and you can check them out online, you check them wherever and everything like that. And I guess until next episode. Thanks for listening to another great episode so of the BrokerCast, powered by Vertica Systems and hosted by Sean Littman and Josh Factor. Tune in next week as we sit down with another great power hitter in the brokerage world. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on all major podcasting platforms. And to learn more about Vertica, visit www.verticacrm.com.